But I'll tell you what, the reason we have our children in with us during worship is because you can't manufacture this, you can't get this anywhere else, but to hear the people of God worshiping and praising and for children to see mom and dad with hands raised and worshiping the Lord and to hear words of the Lord and prophecies, it's so vital for these children to hear and see the uh, power of a living God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me share with you a message this morning that God put on my heart for today. We had an experience Wednesday night um, in a time of ministry overcoming uh, shame and guilt and fear. And uh, on Wednesday nights, we try to implement what we're learning and participate in it. And I had an altar call for that uh, issue of shame, and we had an altar call for the issue of guilt, and uh, an altar call for the issue of fear, and we had a large number of people come forward, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I was not expecting to experience what I experienced. When the people were up here for fear, the, that heaviness of fear was, was so pervasive, it almost knocked me over. I was shocked, I was stunned, and rocked to my core at the level of fear that people are living with. And um, I really feel that we need to address it and be prepared as a people of God for a spirit of fear, this level of fear that's really gripping people's hearts. And so I want to share that with you. And uh, I believe that God really spoke to my heart. Yesterday I, uh, evening I got a text uh, for prayer and really realized this is fear gripping someone. And as I began to pray for them, God really spoke into my heart and said, fear is a void. And I began to pursue that. And I want to share that with you this morning to unpack what that means. Thus, the idea of avoiding fear, and taking fear out as a void. Uh, Luke 21, 28 says this, sorry, 21, 26, men's hearts will fail them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. There is coming a time in these last days, I happen to believe we are very close to the last, well, we're in the last days, but close to the last of the last days. The last days began with the day of Pentecost, didn't they? And I believe we're closer than ever. And so what that means is as a people of God, we've got to get ready for the fear that is going to shake planet earth. It says that there's a fear that men's hearts, this includes you too women, men and women's hearts will fail them, fail them because of fear. It's getting pretty crazy out here. Terrorism, anarchy is, is rising to such a level, lawlessness, that there's going to become a great fear over people. And the one people who should not have fear are the people of God. We're the ones who are going to have to have a solution to what everybody's in calamity about. And so the church has got to get a hold of how to break the power of fear. Amen? Amen. We have one who has destroyed the power of fear, and we need to be prepared for that. And what I witnessed Wednesday night is that there are many of us gripped in fear. And so God wants us to be strengthened and relieved of that power of fear. Fear, as God really spoke into my heart, is a void. I began to ask Him, what do you mean, God? It's a void. A vacuum is something that is devoid of matter. Uh, 
everything of substance is sucked out of it. And, and, and really there's a negative atmosphere compared to the outside atmosphere. There's nothing there in a vacuum and in a void. And what happens with fear is, is that fear is that place that separates us from our faith. It separates us from our reason. It separates us from our knowing and our understanding. We don't understand. We don't know. We uh, create a, a void and separation. And in that place, fear breeds. And so it's a void. It's a void of understanding and knowledge, a void of faith. And so we need to learn how to fill that void and get rid of the void which creates fear in our souls. Let me first of all begin with some false views of fear. You know that the Scripture says, Psalm 128 specifically, fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. But here's a problem with our English translations of the Bible. In the English, we've translated a lot of words that don't mean scary fear. The idea of fear, the word yira in Hebrew means to awe or to give reverence. So in the Old Testament, when it says to the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, it means the reverence and awe of God. Of course God is an all-consuming fire, and when you're in, your pre- in His presence, it's a fearful thing in the th- where uh, you just fall down. I mean, it, God is holy and other than we are and awesome. And of course, in our human sense, we would fear God. But every time anyone was in the presence of God and they began to fear with a human fear, God said what? Fear not. So it's not a scary fear, it's a reverent fear. It's an awesome fear. It makes sense too because unbelievers should be afraid of the Lord with a fear that means you're in trouble. But the believer wouldn't have that kind of a fear because I'm in covenant. He has made me one with Him through the Beloved. I'm accepted in the Beloved. I should not have a scary fear of God, but an awesome reverence. And so that's the difference of the fear that we're talking about. So if anybody here is scary afraid of God, I would say, are you saved? Or do you understand what grace has done for you? Because grace has taken the scary fear of God and brought an reverence and an awe to His majesty. Yes, it's overwhelming. Yes, it'll crush you. Yes, it'll consume you. But in His love. And love gets rid of fear. And so, this kind of fear is not what we're talking about. So I'm not scary afraid of God. I'm reverently in a place of His awesomeness. There's a second aspect to fear. The spirit of fear. We quote this verse quite often. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so what we do is we say that there's a spirit of fear that came on me. And and we have the sense, I've preached it over the years, we, we have a sense that there is a specific spirit of fear. I don't know if he looks like that guy. I just found a picture. 
So, I mean, when we're in a place, does the demonic forces dial up their spiritual command post? Like, send a spirit of fear over here at uh, 25410 Kelly Road. Spirit of fear, fifth row, seventh person back. Send them the spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear goes, where's that assignment? Okay, here he is. Yeah, ah, ah. And now, oh, the spirit of fear came on me. Or we could use it more in a generic term that fear is a spirit. Why? Because it says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear. No, he's given us a different spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, now that's the King James, New King James, right? How many of you, when you read your new translations and they translated it, God has not given us a spirit of timidity? It's like, what? I haven't preached that. I preach spirit of fear. What do you, timidity? What is that about? That's actually the right rendering. The correct rendering in the Greek, dalia, is the word for fear here. The word that means scary fear is phobia, translated throughout the scripture. And the Greek word for fear, scary fear, is phobia. But in this verse, it's dalia. And dalia is not phobia. Delia is cowardice, timidity, standing back. So this isn't a spirit of fear that comes. This has to do with our attitude. And in fact, what he's referencing is the quality of the spirit we have. He's not contrasting two different spirits. There's the spirit of fear, and then there's the spirit of God. Oh, good. He's actually contra- not contrasting two spirits. He's telling you the quality of God's Spirit. God's Spirit isn't timid. God's Spirit isn't a coward. God's Spirit's full of love, power, and a stable mind. That's the Spirit that God gave you, not the quality of a spirit that's just so timid and cowardly. That's what that verse really means. Now, Don't get me wrong in understanding. I'm just trying to teach you Bible. Some of you are mad at me. I like spirit of fear because I fight the spirit of fear. Okay, but let me help you understand something. I don't think there's a specific spirit of fear, but when fear comes, how many of you know the enemy loves fear? Because fear kills faith. And so the demonic loves fear and goes wherever fear manifests. And I'll tell you why as I begin to understand this more. Because fear creates a void. It creates a void in our faith, right? We're not trusting. We have a a void in our faith. We have a void in the Word. We have a, a void in understanding something. And in that vacuum and in that void, the demonic wants to go to fill it so he can charge it with lies. So, in fact, Wednesday night, I had to apologize for this analogy, but it's what I saw. I had no reference to the people themselves, but what I saw was a picture of fear and the demonic, and here it is, uh, like flies gather around poop. That's how the demonic goes after fear, right? Right? You ever see it yet, man? They land on it. They're all over it. I guess they eat it. I don't know. (laughs) Filthy, aren't they? But that's what happens when fear comes in us, when this void, this vacuum in our faith and in our reasoning and in our understanding 
comes and creates this nothing place, this place where we're, we're lost and we feel that sense of loss and not knowing what to do. There's a void that comes. The enemy loves to fly around that and hang around that void. And so if you want to cast out the spirit of fear, that's fine. But all I'm just saying is it's a demonic that's trying to feed on that void, that emptiness. So how do we deal with fear? Because I'll be honest with you, I deal with Pentecostals all the time being a Pentecostal church. Everybody wants their problem solved by casting out a demon. Now, I believe in deliverance. I have cast out demons. I believe that we must cast out demons. We must bind demons and we must work with demons. But our bigger issue is the flesh. Our bigger issue is us. And so many times Christians love to say it's a demon because they want a quick fix. It's American society. Just want it gone. If I could just get rid of this demon, I'd be fine. No, you wouldn't. You're the problem. We need to renew our mind. We need to get the Word of God refreshing us. Can I tell you the greatest deliverance you could have is know this Word of God better than anything else. Read it, study it, walk it, live it, believe it. Reread it. Abandon yourself to its truths. Know it. And this is essential. So let me take you through an aspect of why this void. What are the three D's of fear? We'll start with the first one is doubt. Doubt creates a void. Right? So with doubt, we just don't understand. Doubt creates a distance from faith. Doesn't it? Doubt creates a, dis- a separation from our faith. See, if I trust God, I'm not going to doubt. And of course, the Scriptures are full of asking and believing and trusting without wavering. And so doubt creates a void between my faith and God. And so in doubting, my faith is suspended and there is this place between, this separation, and so doubt creates a void. How do I remedy doubt? How do I remedy doubt? Worship. Worship. Worship is the key to causing faith to rise. You may be in a situation that you don't have the faith for. You doubt. You don't understand. How am I going to get rid of this sickness? How am I going to deal with this disease? How am I going to fix the things at work? How am I going to work out this situation in my family with my kids or with Aunt Gladys? Or how am I going to fix this? Or how am I going to get around this? And you don't You don't know how to trust God for it. You don't know what to do. Worship begins to close the gap where there's an absence of faith because your focus is on God. And you see it throughout the Psalms continually. David, look at Habakkuk. Right? The heathen prosper. Those who don't trust you, they've got more than I do. What's the deal here, God? I'm sick and tired of this. Why did the wicked prosper? By the end of Habakkuk, he's going... Though there's no fruit on the vine, no cows in the stall, no wheat in the field, yet will I praise my God. Job, the same thing. Though he slay me, yet will I worship him, will I praise him. David begins that way. Why are you so far away from me? (laughs) Why are you not listening to me? And by the time he's done singing the blues, the hook on his psalm 
turns around and says, you're forever faithful. Worship closes the gaps. We don't have to have the answer or the solution. We may not know how to get out of it, but we've reestablished our understanding of who He is. Worship does this. That's why it's the first order of what we do. When we come in, we open in a song, in prayer, greet you, God bless you, and the first order of getting anything right is worship Him. This time of worship this morning, I, I pray that you had entered into it because it just closed all the gaps of doubt and fear. My God is a righteous God. My God will never leave me. He will never forsake me. In worship, we rehearse words and say songs of promises and and faith. And and so doubt is dealt with. It's slayed in that void that created from doubt from faith. Worship drew it back together and I can trust God again. How's He going to fix it? I have no idea. But I'm in covenant and I am covenanted unto my God. And I look around this room and I see testimony after testimony of what God has done in these people's lives. i got a room full of people that can testify of what God has done. So if they did it for Him, they'll do it for me. Amen? Amen. And so worship closed the gap. So when fear comes in, you've got a gap of doubt And look, it's the human condition. We don't know everything. Tell your spouse that. You don't know everything. Just just helping you out. (laughs) Some of you are delighting in that. See, I told you. We don't. You know, I know there are super Christians that I never doubt. Okay. Amen. So, when you do, <laughs> worship. Sometimes, how many of you know that sometimes you're so fearful that you can't worship? I can't sing a song. Just put the music on. Put the music on. Yep, just change the atmosphere. That's right. You put the music on, and then your, your fingers are going to start going like... Before you know it, it's Jesus! Oh, God. Closes the gap. Say it with me. Close the gap. So that's what worship will do with doubt. When fear comes because of doubt, we need to begin to worship. That is our solution. And then what was a gap is actually the thing that's drawing us close now by worshiping God. Now, the second D is deception. The enemy loves to deceive us. And the concept for fear, another way to say it, is false evidence appearing real. False evidence that appears real. It seems as if this, but you don't know the dynamic of what God's got in store for you. Right? And in the grand scheme of everything, Reality isn't over just because there's a physical experience. You might have been diagnosed with something. You may have been put somewhere like Joseph who ended up in a well. But at the end of the story, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now he had to endure some trouble, fearful times. But in the grand scheme, 
that which appeared to be evil and destructive, God was in complete control. The story ain't over till God says it is. But there are false evidences that appear to be real. There are ideas we have and concepts that create fear. Basically, fear is believing in what you don't understand to happen. So we create scenarios. We write stories in our minds. How many of you do this, right? So if someone said this, this is going to happen. I'm glad you're not the author and perfecter. But he is. He's writing the story here. God's got a story for you. And I love what James says concerning the need to remedy deception or false accusation or what we don't understand. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach or without finding fault, another translation says, and it will be given. So the remedy for deception is to ask God what's going to happen. I don't see my way through this. Help me. I'm doubting, so I'm worshiping, but I need deception cleared up. Help me not count on what I think is going to happen. Right? We put faith in what we've conjured up, and and I think the enemy helps throw in a few uh, stories along with it, because we usually think the worst, don't we? We do. If you lack wisdom, ask God, and how does He give? God gives it how? Generously. Generously. Without finding fault. Some of you are afraid to ask. I've prayed about this before. I've asked God before. I've asked God before. God never faults you for asking Him. God never faults you for asking questions. That's a lack of faith to question God. No, it is not. It's an act of faith to question God. Because you know He's there. And you're expecting an answer. Doesn't get any better than that. So ask Him, ask Him, because you know He will answer generously. He's not finding fault in that, and He will give it. And so the way to break deception is to ask for the truth. Ask for the truth. I'm deceived in this. I don't understand this. I'm going to hold out. What does your word say about this? Speak to me, God. So deception is closing the void of unknowing. I know that my steps are ordered by you, Lord. Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and and your Blood on me makes me righteous, O God, and I'm living unto your glory. So I know my steps are ordered. I can't see through this. And even even if I'm suffering, I know there's a bigger picture here. And so, the third D is death. The ultimate void. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to create that separation, that void, or a death of your faith. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. You can turn with me there. Hebrews 2, chapter 14. No, (laughs) Hebrews 2, verse 14. Hebrews 2, verse 14. 
I'll read it to you. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. In other words, you and I are flesh and bone. We're flesh and blood. Jesus participated in that flesh and blood. That is awesome. That is amazing. God put on human flesh so that he could obtain blood. Acts 22 talks about the blood of God, the blood of God. We were bought with the blood of God. God had to put a body on in order to get blood. Jesus put a body on. He dwelt among us. When I say put a body on, He fully became man. Please understand what I'm saying. Fully man, fully God. He became flesh, dwelt among us, put a body, uh, became flesh and blood. Likewise, partook of the same things so that through death He might destroy the one who has the power of death. So does Jesus understand what it means to die? Does Jesus understand what it means to suffer? Does Jesus understand pain? Does Jesus understand sorrow? Does Jesus understand forsakenness? Study your seven words on that cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? He understands this death. He understands it. Now he came to destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Why? To deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Two aspects of this. We're all afraid to die because we were given life. And God's life was never meant to die. Death is a foreign thing to our identity. Every human has the the power to survive and to fight off death. And so when we approach death, it's a fearful thing. It's against every cell of our being that we were originally created to live. In fact, death is the absence of life. It's the void. It is void of life. Death is actually the void of life. Have you ever had death in your emotions where a part of your emotional well-being was just void? It, It died of its emotions. You relationships die things separate from having life well jesus came to destroy that more specifically though he came to destroy the devil who had the power of death does the devil have the power of death can the devil take people's life revelation says jesus has the keys of authority to death in the grave so does the devil have the authority what what is, what is the power of death? The power of death is separation from God. Colossians tells us that when Jesus was crucified, He disarmed the powers of the enemy, nailing the statutes that were against us to the tree. So the power of death that the devil had was accusation of our sin. Because the wages of sin is death. Do you get it? 
So by Jesus coming and dying, He is the perfection of the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. And all that we were condemned by the law, He took upon Himself, disarming the enemy's ability to accuse us and separate us from God so that we will never be separated from God again because in Christ Jesus, we've conquered sin. No death. Therefore, those who believe in Christ what will live and not die. And so we do not have to fear death because death is passing from this life into the glory. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I do not have to fear the judgment of God on my sin. If God be for me, who can be against me? If God justifies me, where's my accuser? I've got an advocate with the Father. You getting this? So I found out. Ha! That when fear comes in in my relationship with God, that nothing is able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Now we're fully back to the aspect of fearing God. I don't fear God in the sense of accusation, condemnation, or judgment because I'm accepted in the Beloved. I have no fear of death. I belong to the Lord. If you have no fear of death, brothers and sisters... We overcome the devil, Revelation 12 says. What? By the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, don't stop there. And we don't love our life even unto death. That's how you overcome the devil. And with those three things, I do not have to fear against anything on my life against my life. I am walking in the person of Christ on the earth. He's given me that life. So there are times that I wonder and I'm in fear, but I know that... Uh, I love what he says. Let me read it to you in, in Romans eight thirty eight. I am sure that neither death nor life... That's the physical dimension. That's life on planet Earth. I am not afraid. I do not have to fear about living or dying. Look, at if you've conquered that... Come on. How many of you trust that? Well, the problem is, is I want to live a little longer. Right? I mean, I got people I love. Of course I understand that. But ultimately, can you surrender your life to Jesus? And ultimately, you already should have when you asked Him to be your Lord and Savior. You gave your rights up. Does anybody know that? You died already. Neither life nor death, he goes on and he says this, angels or rulers, that's the spirit realm, nothing in the spirit realm can separate me from God, nor things present, nor things to come, that's time, nothing can separate me in the uh, realm of time from God, nor powers, right, no, no, that's demonic, nor height or depth, that's the dimension of space, nor anything else, He's covered time, space, the physical realm, life, death, the spirit realm. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And then he just throws in their kitchen sink and anything else you could think of. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Fear, the gap created in me of wondering and doubting or deception or fear has closed up when I understand that my life is in His hands. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. How many of you have ever been to a hospital and had an IV? 
When you got saved, an IV went right into your heart. It's the love of God pouring in 24-7, 24-7. There should be no gap. There is never a gap from the love of God into you. No gap, no air bubble, no gap. That's an awesome verse. So when fear overtakes you, you, you just click, click the IV. And understand that I've got the love of God pouring into me 24-7. Nothing can separate me from God. I am okay. And fear, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. There's no gap of doubt here. And there's no gap of deception. God loves me and I love God. Amen? Amen. Last of all, 1 John 4.18, you know it. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment or discipline. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. That's the key. This IV of love that you're getting comes from him to you, not you to him. This is where our fear comes from, our response to him. His never stopped. And so the gaps created when we doubt that he loves us. He never said that. He always loves you. Nothing will stop His love for you. And so, remember this. There is no fear in love. Perfect love or complete love casts out fear. That idea of perfect love or complete love means it fills all the, all the voids. This love will fill the void. That's why we go back to worship. right? That's why we ask for wisdom. And that's why we trust the Word, His love. And this gets rid of the void where fear dwells. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads.